to hear a word from you. And we ask you, Lord God, to just send your anointing on your servant so that everything that I do and everything that I say will be for your honor, your glory, and your praise. In faith, I sit down. Holy Spirit, I lean and depend on you. Just take over and do what only you can do. In the wonderful name of Jesus, my soul says amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn back in your Bibles to Joshua 24. Okay, we read it in its entirety this morning. Uh, Right now we're only going to read two verses. Joshua 24. Okay, we're going to read two verses, which is verses 14 and 15. 14 and 15. When you have it, speak to me, Lord. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates, beyond the Euphrates River, and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But, but, If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors that served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are dwelling or living. But as for me, Mm -hmm. but as for me, In my house, we will serve the Lord. (laughs) The Lord has us doing, uh, following our liturgical calendar right now. And we saw Joshua in our text last week. And in our text last week, God was appointing Joshua as leader of the Hebrew people because it was time for Moses to pass on. And God gave us a sermon from that entitled Switching Allegiance. Well, this morning, we see Joshua now at the end of his career, but not only the end of his career, but Joshua is now at the end of his life. Okay, he is now 110 years old. And he knows that his death is imminent. So as the leader of the people, he calls the people together to give them final instructions from Almighty God. He he calls the people together in order to have them to remember the covenant that they have made with God. And as Joshua calls the people together, he does something that I always strive to do, and I hope that I do, is that he tells them or he lets them know that whatever he's getting ready to say comes straight from the heart and the mind Of Almighty God. We read that earlier in scripture. You don't remember it? Read it again. 
But he lets them know that what he's getting ready to say is not what Joshua says. But what he's getting ready to say comes from the heart and the mind of Almighty God. So what does he do? He starts off by reminding them of their history. He starts off by reminding them of God's call on the life of Abraham. He tells them how God had called Abraham and had told him to leave his family and to go to a land that he did not even tell him where he was supposed to go. But he also lets us know that one of the reasons that he was telling Abraham to leave his family and go where he had told, he would tell him to go was because his father, Terah, followed after a false god. Amen? Amen. We saw that in scripture this morning. He reminds, uh, 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 Joshua reminds the, the people how of uh, their history rather through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he traces their history through Joseph and through 400 years of slavery in Egypt. He traces their history through Moses and shows how God had miraculously delivered them out of Egypt. And he is letting them know before he could have them establish or reestablish the covenant that they have with Almighty God, they've got to remember their history. And God is going to be saying the same thing to each of us this morning that before we can reestablish or reaffirm our covenant with Almighty God, we have got to remember our history. We have got to remember where it is. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Where it is that God has brought us from. We got to remember the trials and the tribulations and the mountains and the valleys and so forth that we had to go through in order for us to get to the place where we are now. And he goes on and he tells them, he tells them something that blows my mind because I, I, I just love it. But he tells them, he said, through everything you went through, through the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, God has now brought you to the promised land. And he says he has given you a land that you did not toil for. You, I've given you a land that you did not work for. I've given you cities that you did not build. He says, I've given you houses to live in that you did not have to buy. He says, I've given you vineyards and olive trees that you didn't have to plant yourself. He says, I have given you what belonged to the enemy and I've taken it from the enemy and I've given it to you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, he is letting them know something that everybody in here better pick up on one time or another, that all the blessings that they have in, in their life have come wholly and completely from the hands of God. I know I reminded you last week of James 1.17 where God says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. So he's reminding them. He's reminding them of what God has done for them. In short, what he's doing is he is telling them, God has blessed you and God has been with you every 
step of the way. I look at us as a people. And you don't have to be a, a black person to be able to recognize how God has been with us and taken us through so many things that by now we should have been extinct or we should have been totally wiped out or we should have been in subservient positions. But all along, God had his hand on us and God had chosen to use us in the same way that right now he's going to be talking about choose what he did to uh, uh, bless, thank you, Lord, the people of Israel, the Hebrew people. Okay, so God is saying to them, I have been with you, Brennan, every moment and every step of the way. Bougie, there has not been a moment that I've forgotten you, that I allowed you to be out there in the wilderness all by yourself. I want you to know, Shadir, that every mountain you had to climb and every valley that you had to go through, that I've been right there with you the whole time. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. You say that God was saying to them, I've been with you through everything, through the years of slavery. 400 years they were in slavery. God was with them through 400 years. God was with them through walking 40 years through the desert. Pastor, I don't understand. I don't understand how you say God was with them while they were in slavery. Because if God was with them, why didn't he deliver them out of slavery? I don't understand why you say that God was with them as they walked 40 years in the desert. And God was with them. They should have been able to go from point A to point B in a fortnight. Okay, if God was really with them. But we learned something in Bible study Wednesday that I just had to put in our sermon today. In our Bible study class on Wednesday... We saw in the textbook where it says God's ways are perfect. They're full of mystery and they're far reaching. Some people find it easy to attribute to God what they consider to be good things. But they refuse to recognize that God has a role in what they may consider to be bad things. The truth is people rarely understand the full extent of what God is doing. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, I had to put that in my sermon this morning because it's easy. It's easy for you to say God is good and God is with me when you're walking in perfect health. It's easy to say God was with me and God is blessing me when you got more than enough money to take care of your needs and other people's needs too. It's easy to say that God is with me. But it's harder to say God is with me when he allows things to happen in my life that I don't understand. It's not easy for me to say that if I was a Trump supporter, that God was in the midst of putting Biden in that office. It's not easy for the other half of America to be able to see, I see God's hand moving 
him what's going through. Because the only time people want to say that people God is with them is when God is doing things the way they want them to be done and in the manner that they feel like they should be done. But like our textbook says, God's ways are far-reaching. God's ways are far-reaching. That means, brothers and sisters in Christ, you think what's happening in your life only has to do with today. But God said that's where you don't understand. What is happening in your life is not even for today. It's not even for you. It's for the generations that are going to come after you. I think of Joseph. When Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. You could not have told somebody God is with him. When he was sold into slavery and accused of rape and all this other kind of stuff. People would say, where was God in the midst of it? But when Joseph stood before his brothers, he said to his brothers, what you did, you thought you were solving your problem for the moment. You thought you were getting rid of me because I was a problem for you in the moment. But what you did not understand, that what you thought for evil, God intended it for good. What you thought for evil, that God intended it for good. We've got to be able to understand that sometimes God moves in the midst of situations that we would consider to be completely wrong. I'm not even going there. But the thing is, you have got to learn to see God in the midst of whatever it is that you are going through. God, Our God reigns. Is that what we just heard? And what was the other song? Um, he, my life is in your hands. You got to believe it. You can't just sing it. We got to understand that sometimes God has far-reaching effects for what he allows you to go through right now. In the midst of whatever you're going through, in the midst of it all, God said to tell you that you are going to have to make a choice. Mm -hmm. This week, Mm -hmm. we saw the results of choices that all of us made. Some of our choices was for one politician. Some of our choices was for another politician. But in the midst of it all, God allowed the people to speak and allowed the choice to be made. But one thing that God also did, God used this to show the heart of America. God used this to show the heart of America and that America has been split, whether you're on this side or the other side. And God said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and come together and seek my face, not seek my face for my benefit, but seek my face for those that I don't agree with benefit. Seek my face for what's good for them. Seek my face of how, what I can do to be a blessing for them. Mm -hmm. Amen. So at any rate, 
I want you to notice, or you probably already have, that the title of today's sermon on the bulletin was The Choice is Yours. We had the right to make a choice this week, and America made that choice. And God wants you to know that whether you consider yourself to be in a good place with God or whether you consider yourself to be in a bad place with God, where you don't even see God in the mix, God says, I'm still giving you a choice. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? I want you to look or remember, because you probably didn't close your Bibles. We're going to look at verse 14 and 15 only, because God says every single solitary day, there are choices that you have to make. But he says the choice that he's going to be talking about this morning is the most important choice you will ever make in life. Some of the choices that you make today will just affect you today like what you're going to have for dinner, what you're going to put on. But the choice that God is going to be talking about has eternal consequences. So Joshua is saying, before I can give you this choice, I need you to remember where it is that God's brought you from. Before I can give you this choice and ask you to once again reaffirm the, the covenant that God has established with you, I want you to look at where you've been. I want you to look at your highs in God. And I want you to look at your lows in God. I want you to look at when you feel like God answered your prayer. And I want you to look, like when you, uh, look at when you felt like God didn't even hear you. You say, you got to think about all these things. Because I'm going to give you a choice. Look at verse 14. We're, <clears throat> we're going to dissect these two verses. And we're going to look at a choice or, or some challenges that God presented to those people. But God is also presenting the same challenges to us today. Amen. Amen. The first thing he says in verse 14 is fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. God says, I'm giving you a choice today. And the first choice that I am giving you is when you decide whether you're going to fear God or you're not going to fear God. That's your choice. And we know from being under teachings for all these years that fearing the Lord means reverential trust or awe. So God is saying to you this morning on Facebook or whoever else will hear this and whatever means they hear it, you have a choice to make today. Are you going to reverence God? Oh, hallelujah. Are you going to reverence God and trust God in the midst of everything that you see going on? Or are you going to turn your back and say what has happened cannot be in the plan of Almighty God. Reverencing God. Standing in awe of God. But reverencing God also means trusting him. Do you trust him? 
Do you trust him with the way that he has allowed uh, uh, America to, to vote this, this past week? Do you trust him in the decision as far as who he allowed to be elected this morning? Do you uh, trust him with your life? Do you trust him with your finance? Do you trust him? But notice what else it says in this one verse. The first choice that you got to make is whether you're going to trust him. But the next part of this verse says, are you going to serve him? But notice there's a, 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 a hook. There's a hook on the serving him. God said, not only do I want to know, Abuchi, are you going to reverence me? Are you going to fear me? But are you going to serve me with all faithfulness? Notice he doesn't ask, are you just going to serve me? But what he does is he says, are you going to be faithful in your service? That's a choice that you have to make. And you have to make it every day. Are you going to serve God when things go the way you want them to? And are you going to serve the same God when things don't go the way you want them to? Trusting God with all faithfulness. Amen. Look back. I know Joshua is saying to these Israelite Hebrew people, look back on your history. Don't worry about that. Were you faithful in serving God when things weren't going the way you wanted them to? You know you weren't because you were always grumbling and complaining. That's what made Moses not be able to enter the promised land. You failed God. So God said, I know that everybody in here from the pastor to the door, we have failed God at some point in time. But God said, what I'm asking you today is make a choice. Make a choice. Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be there? Are you going to be the person that I'm calling you to be? Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to serve me lackadaisical? Mm -hmm. There's no real commitment in there. Yeah. There's no real fervor. There's no real excitement. Yeah. Brothers and sisters in Christ, mm -hmm. what we do for God has got to be done out of a heart of fervor and excitement. Mm -hmm. Okay, look at this. Back in verse 14 and 15, I want you to watch this. Notice what he says next. First, he says, I want you to fear the Lord, right? Then he says, I want you to serve the Lord with all faithfulness. You got to agree to that. But notice what he says. Throw away the gods of your, the, the gods your forefathers worshiped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Notice what he's saying here. God is taking the choosing to serve him another step. And he said, the other step is when you choose to serve me, you got to remove the idols in your life. You got to remove the idols in your life. When you decide that you're going to serve God, you have to remove the things that you have put before almighty God. You got to remove the things that you put before serving God. God said there's not supposed to be anything that we put before him. So the thing that you got to do 
is you got to remove the idols that have first place in your life instead of Almighty God. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. What are the idols in your life? God is telling you very simply here that when you decide to serve him, you can't serve him with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. He says, when you decide to serve me, Felice, faithfully, you cannot serve me with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. God plainly tells us in his word, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. You either serve God or you serve the enemy. Choose you. Choose you. Put away the idols, no matter what they are from your life, the things that hinder your relationship with God. Amen. What is the next thing it says? It says something that blows my mind. But he says, if serving the Lord, he said, I've already had you look back on your history. I've already reminded you of the slavery. That was a hard time. I've reminded you of the 40 years of wilderness. That's, that was a hard time. But I reminded you how God delivered you out of Egypt. That was a good time. He says, well, after you consider all these things, after you consider where it is that God has brought you from and what he's done for you, if it seems undesirable to you, once you look at everything, once you look at how God moved or didn't move when you thought he should, he says, if it seems undesirable, if you don't want to do it, I'd love this. If you don't want to do it, God said, I'll never force you to serve me. I will never force you. God said, that's why I gave you a free will in the first place. God said, every day I give you free will. Every day I allow you to make choices. You make choices without even thinking about the things that you're making choices about. God said, I gave you a free will. So if it seems undesirable to you to serve me, then you make the decision who it is you're going to serve. Because God says, the way we are created we're going to choose somebody or something to serve. Amen. That's how we were created. If you don't want to choose God, you're going to choose someone or something to take the place of God. Yes, you're going to do that. So God says, if it seems undesirable to you, Adrian, I'm not going to force you. You make the choice. And it reminded me so much of the church of Laodicea. Everybody in here knows the church of Laodicea. Amen. When God said to the church, he says, I wish you were hot for me or cold against me. Are they out there? But because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's what God says. Make the choice. Make the choice. 
He says, you make your choice, but I want to tell you one thing. I'm, I'm giving you permission. This is what Joshua, you make the choice that you want. I'm not going to try and force you. But he says, one thing I want to let you know, Katrina. As for me yeah. and my house, yeah. as for me yeah. and my, so what is God saying? What is Joshua saying? He is saying, I will not allow your decision to affect how I do. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to allow your decision to serve God or not serve God to affect how I interact with my God. Amen. You know, a lot of times we let our family, our friends, our co-workers, whatever, to interfere with how we're going to serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. But I want you to notice the affirmation that Joshua says. He says, you choose, but as for me and my house, he said, we will. We will. We, he doesn't say perhaps. Oh, hallelujah. He didn't say maybe. He didn't say we might. But he said, I'm the man of this house. I'm the leader in this house. I'm the one who makes the rules and regulation in this house. And in this house where God has placed me, we're going to serve the Lord. I love it. I love it that he chooses to stand up and say, let there be no doubt in your mind. <laughs> let there be no doubt in your mind. If you live in my house, if you eat at my table, if you benefit from my work, we're going to serve the Lord. You're going to serve God whether you want to serve God or not. And I know the more that my kids are under the word, the more that it will sink in. And one day they will cry out, Lord, I yield, I yield. What must I do to be saved? But as for me and my house, don't think that your actions are going to persuade me or my family to turn from the one true and living God. Praise God. The third and final point. The third and final point that God wants you to see. Hallelujah. Is he says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. God is letting you know, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that this is a choice that you have to make every day. Choosing God, you choose him one time for salvation, but you got to choose him every day to serve him. There's a scripture, and I'm not going to have you turn to it, but I'll tell you what it is. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I don't like the way the NIV translates it, but if you look at it in the King James or the Amplified, it says, I assure you, this is the Amplified, I assure you by the pride which I have in your fellowship and union with Christ Jesus our Lord that I die daily. I die daily. I die daily. That means I choose God over myself daily. 
I die to my flesh daily. I do what God wants me to do daily. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Dying to self means saying no to your flesh and saying yes to God. This is the only way that you'll be happy in this life. This is the only way that you're going to be able to have peace in your life. And that is when you choose God over self. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, it's a no-brainer. As for me and my house, there is no question we are going to serve the Lord. The choice is yours. God gives you the choice. He's not saying your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, whatever. God said you choose. You choose. Because when you stand before Almighty God, you're not going to be able to say what your mom did, what your daddy did, what your sister did, what your brother did. You're not going to be able to talk about what anybody else did. The thing the Lord's going to say to you, Lillian, what did you do with my son Jesus? You either accepted him or you rejected him. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, I, I just thank you. thank you for this word. Thank you, Lord. You are beyond amazing. Oh, yes, yes. And I ask, Lord God, that I hope that more people on Facebook will hear this message and they will make the decision to choose you. Yes, Lord. To choose you, Lord God, over anyone or anything else. Because you're the only one that holds our life in the palm of your hand. Oh, yes. Yes, we love you, Lord. In faith, I just relinquish everyone here to you for you to work in their lives. And the absent part of our church, the ones that have not felt comfortable with coming back with the virus. Yes. I ask you to continue touching their hearts and their minds, giving you them, Lord God, your peace, your peace. that surpasses all understanding. Yes. Those who are not here because of issues going on personally in their own lives, and, you know, Lord, I don't know what they are, but they're not here. So I ask you, Lord God, to move in the way that only you can do. We love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. In the precious, holy, and righteous name of Jesus, my soul says, Amen. Amen. Our invitational hymn.